Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Yokohama tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. We talked a lot on Tuesday about how good the Warriors were, trying to contextualize where they ranked all time, what the future should be for LeBron. Was the decision right for Kevin Durant to leave and go to Golden State? Lots of different angles to hit as a part of uh, Tuesday's show, reacting to Game 5 coming to a close and ending the NBA season. But one topic that we've honestly not spent that much time on, because we haven't had that much data, is are super teams good for the NBA? Now, LeBron James may disagree and say he's never been a member of a super team, but I think just about everybody who watched him go to Miami saw what happened with uh, Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, and then later what happened with Ray Allen. There's probably four Hall of Famers on that Miami Heat team. Certainly three, because Ray Allen, Dwayne Wade, and LeBron James are all definite Hall of Famers. The only thing that would keep Chris Bosh, I would think, out of the Basketball Hall of Fame in, in, in whenever his career ends is his health situation. So there's a good chance that we've got three, def, definitely three, maybe four Hall of Famers there. We don't know exactly what's going to happen going forward with Klay Thompson and Draymond Green, but it seems like there's a decent chance that right now the Golden State Warriors have four Hall of Fame players and Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, who I think it's fair to say will be first ballot Hall of Fame guys. Then looking good for Draymond Green and Klay Thompson, I would say to make the Hall of Fame. You look at right now the Cleveland Cavaliers, LeBron James, obviously clear first ballot Hall of Famer. It's a good chance that Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving also end up in the Hall of Fame. So LeBron James has been on teams with either three or four Hall of Fame players. The ratings are out for the NBA Finals, and they have been very good, even though the series only went five games. But are teams that are, are super teams good for the NBA overall? That's a question we didn't really know the answer to. Well, my guy, we've had him on the show a couple of times. 
I think he's one of the smartest guys at Fox Sports. My guy Mike Mulvihill went into the numbers overall and actually gave you some data that I thought was fascinating. He looked for the last five years at total minutes of NBA viewing. How much time are fans spending watching NBA games on the national networks, on the regional sports networks, on the playoffs, and in the NBA Finals? This is basically every game that airs featuring an NBA team from when the season starts in October all the way up until when the season finished on Game 5 in the NBA Finals. And this was interesting. What he found was that the NBA actually set a five-year low in total viewing this past season. Again, looking across the board at all games that were played in the NBA, that's all 30 teams, every game they played, and I'm trying to specify this because people get distracted by bright, glittery objects, and I'll explain. Every game that was played, this was the lowest watched NBA season in five years and it was actually down pretty substantially over last year and again it was down really substantially compared to 2012-2013 and you can go look at my Twitter feed if you want to see these exact numbers but in essence the highest rated NBA has been in terms of the number of people that watched was 2012 and 13 when 128.1 billion minutes were watched by fans. This past year, 112 billion minutes were watched. So in the last five years, the NBA, according to this data, has declined by, and I'm always bad at at math live on the air, but around 15%. That is, people are watching 15% less of the NBA in the last five years than they were five years ago. Now, why is that? Is it entirely super team related? And then he also went ahead and said, look, here's the overall trend lines if you look at individual ratings. Um, and and I think this is pretty, uh, pretty interesting as well. He said, uh, NBA regular season on all the regional sports networks. That's everywhere you would watch your local team play. That's what a regional sports network is. They're actually at a five-year low. Total NBA viewing on national networks, that's ESPN and TNT, that's the national games that air, at a five-year low. The finals was at a 19-year high through game five. All right, so this is kind of fascinating, and it ties in with what I would say probably makes sense to you if you like basketball. What it means is, If you are a fan in general of basketball, you'll come in and you'll watch super teams play, whether it's the Golden State Warriors or the Cleveland Cavaliers, when the final happens. That is, super teams and dynasties are good for casual fans when it actually gets to the NBA Finals themselves. People are intrigued. People will watch that game. They'll come in and they'll pay attention to what's going on. But what they won't do is they won't pay attention to their local team at the other 28 different team levels because there isn't any interest in that because you don't re- you realize that your team has no chance of winning a championship. And that in and of itself is pretty intriguing, right? Because what it means is that on the, there's great interest at the top level when the season gets to the finals, oh man, I can't wait 
to pay attention to what's going to happen in the NBA Finals between LeBron James, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and this dynasty that the Golden State Warriors are putting together. But the overall regular season and the playoffs up to the Finals don't matter at all. And that's not good for the NBA. That means that the strength of the NBA top to bottom is actually flawed. So it got me thinking. Let's pretend that you were brought in as a consultant. And the goal was to make the NBA great again. What could you do to make the NBA stronger so that it wouldn't have its weakest viewing year in five years? Again, a lot of debate about whether or not the Warriors and the Cavs are good for the NBA. The answer, according to the data, is no, they are not. They're good for the NBA Finals when they actually play, but the vast majority of people out there are turning out, tuning out of the NBA beforehand. And this is reflective, I think, in a larger sense of the issues the NBA is going to have going forward because my guys at Odd Shark, and we're going to talk to John Campbell at oddshark.com at the bottom of this hour, get you some gambling tips for the U.S. Open, talk about futures for the NBA, the NHL. But the future numbers are already out. And if you're not familiar, futures are what are the odds that somebody's going to win a championship. The Warriors, this is an amazing stat. The Warriors right now for the 2017-2018 season are a bigger favorite at minus 225, some places up to minus 300. The Warriors are a bigger preseason favorite than any team has ever been in the history of the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NHL, or the NBA before. Think about how wild that is. In the history of gambling on those four major sports, that's the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, and the and uh, and uh, the, the NHL. All four major sports. There's never been a point in time where there was a bigger favorite than the Golden State Warriors are coming into next season to win the NBA championship. That means once more that the ratings are likely to plummet for the other 28 teams because people are going to say, you know what, my team has no chance to win a championship. Why do I care? I'm just going to wait around until it gets to be June and the Golden State Warriors are in the final again. So I was sitting around when I saw this data yesterday afternoon, last night. I'm sitting around trying to think, what could the NBA do to make the league great again? What additions could they have? I'm going to bring in the crew next segment. I'll ask them. But I've got three different distinct moves that I think would make the NBA great. I also want you to then react to those. So I'm going to go ahead and give you the phone number, 877-996-6369. What are those three things that I would do to make the NBA great again? Number one, why in the world do we have to sit from this point in time, and I'm not just saying this as a radio guy who comes on and talks to you for three hours every morning. Number one, why do we have to sit for two months, over two months, with no real major sports action in basketball or football to watch between now and when football actually kicks off in late August, early September. Why doesn't the NBA start its season on Christmas Day? Instead of starting in October and running all the way until June, why doesn't the NBA kick off its season on Christmas Day and run the NBA season through mid-August? Fascinating question. 
I think that would help the NBA a lot because there's so much, so many days to fill in June, July, and August where there's not a lot of events going on. I think it's not. It used to be, oh, we don't want to do it during summer because people go on their vacations. I think that's not that big of a deal anymore. A lot of people go on vacation. They watch the NBA just as easily. It doesn't matter where you are. You can watch the NBA. It's not like it was back in the day where people just panic. I mean, everybody's got their phones, their iPads. You can watch the NBA anywhere. So I don't think the vacation schedule really impacts in any way substantively how many people would be interested in watching the NBA during the summer. So I would start the NBA December 25th. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Great data here that was provided by my guy Mike Mulvihill at Fox Sports, one of the smartest guys who works at all of Fox Sports, and he puts out information that's sometimes a little bit counterintuitive. And there has been a lot of discussion and words written and debate about whether or not super teams are good for the NBA. And if you go back and look historically, people can say, oh, you know, the Bulls were great for the NBA when they were a super team during the Bulls dynasty. Uh, The Lakers and Kobe and Shaq were a great uh, dynasty during the time that they were super teams. What, now that the NBA season is over, we're kind of looking at a retrospective of the season and saying, are they good or bad? Now, NBA final ratings were pretty good. Uh, In fact, Game 5, which just finished on Monday night, set, in terms of total viewers, a record for Game 5s that hadn't been equaled all the way back to 1998 with Michael Jordan in his final year. But the challenge is that wasn't reflected in any way by the overall ratings. And my guy Mulvihill actually went out and looked, and he did. what I love about him is he, he provides the information that sometimes can be a little bit counterintuitive. And you can follow him on Twitter. You can go look at me on Twitter. I'm at Clay Travis. I retweeted Mike Mulvihill. He's at Mulvihill79, but you can see him. Follow him. If you're interested in sports viewing habits, he's got so much incredible data. A lot of times Major League Baseball, lots of times NFL, uh, NBA, whatever it is, he's out there horse racing trying to look at the numbers. And he said in the last five years, I'm going to look. This is Mike Mulvihill's data. I'm going to look at the regional sports networks, at the playoffs, at the national networks that includes, obviously, TNT and ESPN, and then at the NBA Finals, and look at the totality of viewing. Instead of just thinking about the NBA playoffs or just thinking about the NBA Finals and answering the question, is or are super teams good for the league based on what happens there, let's look at the totality of viewing. And when you look at the totality of viewing, regional sports networks, national games on ESPN and TNT, early rounds of the playoffs leading all the way through the NBA Finals, the NBA set a five-year low for viewing in the season that was just completed on Monday night. That is, in the history of the NBA, the viewership is down to a five-year low with what happened this season. And if you go back to 2012 and 2013, the numbers are actually down pretty precipitously, around 15%. So I came up with several ideas that I think would make the NBA great again. We're taking your calls on at 877-996-6369. First, I would start the NBA season at Christmas. I think this age of, oh, people won't pay attention in the summer, I think it's gone. I think people can pay attention anywhere because they have their iPads, they have their iPhones. If you're on the road for, for vacation, it's just as easy to watch the NBA as it is on vacation. I was on vacation watching the NBA. Probably a lot of you were as well. Start at Christmas. 
I would then eliminate the salary cap as it exists now, and I would meet. I would have one player on every team who can receive a market-based salary. In theory, that would mean the top 30 players in the NBA would be slotted at the top 30 teams. And then I would also not allow resting in the regular season. You say, well, how do you do that? You can only miss a regular season game if you're put on the disabled list. And that would mean that you're on the disabled list for a week or two weeks. So if you're going to take a week, you're going to take a game off, then you have to sit out a full week or potential of two weeks. Calls 877-996-6369. Let's go to Aaron in Michigan. What's up, Aaron? Hey, Clay. Thanks for taking my call. Um, got two quick points for your show here. Uh, first one is is I think you had too much negative coverage by the media throughout the regular season. On what do you mean by – well, yeah, that's, a, that's interesting. So you think the media's negative coverage of the NBA led to fewer people watching? Like, what do you mean negative coverage? What did you see as being negative? Well, when I refer to negative uh, coverage, I mean low-hanging fruit. When we talk about uh, LeBron James not having enough players way in the middle of the season saying, I'm not going to make it through the finals because I don't have enough players. Uh, When you talk about Kevin Durant, oh, he's a traitor. He's going to Golden State. Oh, you got Draymond Green. What's he going to do? What kind of negative thing is he going to do? To get himself kicked Okay, out. let me push back a little bit here, Aaron. Those could be negative stories, but they're also just interest stories. And if negativity, if that were true, wouldn't fewer people have watched the finals? I don't think the NBA's problem is at the high end. Like, I don't think there's an issue with the Cavs and the Warriors because I think people casually come in who are regular fans that may don't pay attention during the, during the normal season. I think the NBA's issue is not with the super teams. I think it's with the 28 other teams that don't have a chance to win a title. Well, okay, so let's talk about your super teams. Let's, let's look at the negative way that uh, that LeBron has made his super teams because that's how it's viewed as negative is the way he built a super team, not how it was constructed. You look at the teams of the 60s and the 70s, and there's a great 30 for 30 on ESPN right now about the Celtics and the Lakers and how those teams were actually uh, you know, built and not just bought. You know, nobody likes to have a bought championship. So when they see a team that's being built through the system, Golden State is doing it a little bit more, but with the addition of Kevin Durant, well, now it looks, again, it's a little bit more negative. And so I think when people look at that, they're like, well, they're just buying another championship. Whereas they look at LeBron, he's buying another superstar. So they're not looking at it as like you would the – 88-89 Pistons when, you know, it was brought up to the draft and and so on and so forth. I think you just got to gotta create a more positive attitude to get the casual person to be interested in the team. All right, appreciate the call. I don't know that I buy that. I mean, the purpose of a pro sports franchise is literally to buy a championship, right? You buy a championship by having the best possible team. You pay a lot of money to your players and in exchange, they try to win you a championship. That's literally the business. <laughs> so I don't get the, like, oh, they're trying to buy a championship. Well, that's the purpose of the team. Like, your goal is to, now you want to make money too, but if you're an owner, your goal is to spend money to win a championship. That's literally the very definition of buying a championship. So I'm not buying into that. You're not playing for the love of the game. George in Texas. What's up, George? Hey, Clay. Great show, man. There's uh, just so many ways to go with this. Uh, I'll give you a couple 
things about the numbers, and then I got three things the NBA could do. First of all, those num- you know numbers are subjective. You can turn them any way you want to make them look any way you want through any mirrors or prism. Uh, but so hold on, I don't, I don't, hold on, let me, let me stop you there, let me stop you there. I don't buy into the idea that the numbers are subjective. The numbers that I just hit you with are every single NBA game that was played this year compared to the previous four years, the NBA had fewer viewers than at any point in the last five years. That's not subjective. Now, you can say all we care about is the NBA Finals, and if you just look at the NBA Finals, then you would say the NBA is a healthy league. But the NBA Finals, that five games, represents a pinprick of the overall NBA product. So if you're saying that, then I think that's really lazy um, analysis. So I don't think the numbers the numbers are accurate, right? They're not subjective in any way, but I'll bring you back in. Okay, yeah. Well, here's how they're subjective, okay? First of all, they're under the cloud of the NBA. Is it a super, you know, a bad team? Super teams and stuff like that is it bad for the league? What you know, just because the NBA numbers are down, isn't the reason why ESPN ABC is slashing so many jobs? Sports are down in general, and there's a reason why. And it's not something you know. I can't get into it. You know, I'm a numbers guy too. I can't get into it, but I can tell you this. You know, the numbers are kind of subjective, and you know, with every journalist slash sports talking head banging on sports and how bad. I mean, come on, dirty laundry sales whether it's in news, you know, regular, you know, car crashes and airplane crashes and terrorist attacks or, or sports, bad news sells. Let's admit that, okay? So here's how I think the NBA can fix themselves. I think, first of all, they need to get rid of guaranteed salaries. Second of all, I think they need to bring hand-checking back into the league, let people play basketball. It's a man's league. And third of all, and the most important now, a guy, a previous caller brought up, the fact that baseball can draft kids out of high school, well, most of those guys have to spend three or four, maybe five years in, in a minor league. So instead of letting these, you know, making these kids go to college, we have the D League. Let people draft kids out of high school, but if they come straight out of high school, they got to play three years in the D League, and then the team that drafted them could either sign them to the big contract or let them go into free agency. Uh, I think that's a, those are things that the NBA might help. Uh, great, great topics, Clay. Yeah, appreciate it. Look, I mean, I think that if you're 18 years old, you should be able to make a living doing whatever you want. I'm not one of those guys who sits around and says, oh, well, they need to go to college because what are they going to do if they don't get an education? First of all, a one and done is a joke. You show up on campus in September and you leave by March. Are you really telling me that you're, these people are becoming geniuses who, who go to college for one year? Secondly, like we let guys walk around with machine guns in Afghanistan and get shot at at 18 years old. I'm sorry, if you don't make it as a professional athlete, I think your life is not going to end, right? It's not the end of the world. You go back to college and you get an education or you don't. I'm a believer in let people succeed or fail. Don't try to coddle them. If we will let 18-year-olds graduate from high school and join the Marines or the Navy or the Army and be out there walking around with machine guns in middle of nowhere Afghanistan or freaking Iraq getting shot at, then I'm sorry, I don't feel that bad if a guy's jump shot isn't as good at 20 as we thought it was going to be when he was 18 and he doesn't end up having that long of an NBA career. And by the way, the number of guys who went straight to the league and ended up being pretty good, pretty high. LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, like I can run through an entire list, Tracy McGrady, of guys who went straight from high school to the NBA and became luminescent superstars. And, in fact, if you go look at the data, and this is another good data set, 
drafting players directly from high school, they did better than letting guys go for four years to college and then drafting them. Do you know why? Because the players who were good enough to get drafted at 18 into the NBA were a lot more talented than the guys on average who stayed and played three or four years of college basketball. So the education didn't impact the success rate at all. Again, use baseball as an example. Baseball 18-year-olds get drafted all the time. If they wash out at the minors and it doesn't end up working out, do you know what happens? It's actually a great solution. They get in their draft contract the agreement that the team that drafts them is going to pay for their college. So they can go back to school. If suddenly at 25 years old you realize, you know what, my arm's shot. I'm never going to be able to make the big leagues. This hasn't worked out for me. I've put in six or seven years in the minor leagues in the process. I'm ready to call it a career. Then you go hop right back into college, and it's paid for. That's your choice. Eric in Utah. What's up, Eric? Hey, I appreciate you taking my call. First of all, I have three things also. I totally agree with the uh, – if you're going to sit one game, I think you should at least sit, and it should be a hard number, like six games, five games, whatever it is. Uh, also, uh, there's, as far as paying people an, un, an ungodly amount of number, uh, number of them, I think, but there should be a bonus for staying with your team. Um, like every year, every team gives, I don't know, a certain amount of money that they do, and every year that someone stays with a team, that that team has the ability to pay them that extra Well, that already exists. That exists. I mean, they tried to put that in to to encourage guys from not leaving. They put the Supermax in. If you're a really good player, then in theory, your team that drafts you can pay you more money than anybody else can to incentivize guys to stay as opposed to pulling a Duran and leaving. Okay, so you know I'm from Utah. So um, anyway, so that's only if someone makes All-NBA. Yeah, so but you're nervous you about your boy Gordon team. Hayward then. Oh, easy. Um, well, of course. Um, and then there also should be to keep the the players that – there's a certain type of player that is a super player now besides LeBron James where if you have like some kind of really hard foul – rule like a hard rule on fouls where as soon as you touch two hands on a player it's a foul boom done i mean there's too much like iffy iffy stuff like even even this last game you saw um lebron was getting worked you know what i mean so i think that would actually make a lot of different types of players relevant rather than just like your shooters and your don't touch me players um and that kind of thing yeah, Eric faded away there, I believe. Let's go to Adam in Virginia, last call in, and then we're going to go to Jeff Schwartz. Down to, to two uh, categories. So you got the competitiveness across the league and then the entertainment value just on the screen. So the latter, I think you let them celebrate more. Uh, could be, the NFL is kind of ahead of the curve here. They're trying to relax on the excessive celebration penalties. And then as far as competitiveness, I uh, like your idea of emulating the MLS and having one – uh, player, you know, be, uh, you know, exempt from the that uh, instead of one player, I would see it as one spot. And that way, if two players wanted to kind of uh, join together, they can split that max salary or three or whatever they can, you know, or then. Yeah, I appreciate the call. You're breaking up a little bit. My concern with that, I, it has to be one player. 
Because if you create the ability for multiple players to get in under the same exemption, then you just recreate the problem of the super teams. You've got the Golden State Warriors with four of the top 20. You've got the Cavs with three of the top 25. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Tomorrow, U.S. Open tees off on Fox Sports and FS1. Guy who's going to be there up in Aaron Hills in Wisconsin, Brant Snedeker, at Brant Snedeker on Twitter. Brant, what can you tell me about the course, and have you gotten over the fact that the NHL screwed the Preds out of a goal yet? Uh, I have not. Sorry, that's my navigation system. I have not gotten over that yet. Still getting lots of consolation up here from all the guys on tour telling us how bad we got screwed on that call. So uh, it's been a long couple of days for me. But uh, the golf course is great. It's tough. It's uh Gonna be a, it's going to be a different kind of U.S. Open for people what are used to, used to seeing, too. Um, the, the fairways are really wide. Um, the, the rough is pretty much non-existent except for they have this heather up here. This kind of um, British Open-style looking rough. It's brutal, but you've got plenty of room until you hit in that. So um, with, the, with the weather forecast we have, which is going to be pretty um, wet, it looks like, over the next four days, the golf course should play really, really wide. So might be a little bit different U.S. Open people are seeing. It might be a lot, lot more fairways hit. Uh, greens here are pretty big, so it uh, might not be as difficult as it has been in years past, pending weather. What score do you think wins it? And by the way, before I even get to what score wins it, do you not know how to get to the course? You have to have the navigation on in your car? Like, Man, that seems like, like a course, bad sign. This, this course is in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> this is not like I'm, you know, you're, you're hopping off the interstate and you're there. I, I think most guys are staying about 35 minutes away. Not to knock anybody that lives in Aaron wisconsin but it's not exactly a metropolis up here so yes i have to have my navigation in my car uh to get me where i'm going so i apologize for the uh serious <laughs> response while I'm trying to have you ever course. had to have navigation to get to a u.s open course before i've had to leave my car to get literally park my car on the side of a road because the traffic was so bad and take off to get to my tea time so wait, that, that's a, so. What happens then? Do you have somebody like show up in a golf cart and like fast? Like how? What do you? So no, you've been, I walked. I started running down the road and I saw a cop and and the cop hopped in the cop car took me and I kind of weaved through traffic and took me. So I'll do you have your? Time. Do you have your clubs then? Like you're dressed already. No, for, my clubs are at the golf course. But all right, yeah, so your I'm clubs in are in the golf gear go- trying to get there. Yeah, I mean, I made about twenty five minutes before my tee time. So, like, what if the cop hadn't believed that you were actually – I mean, that's a hell of a, a racket if somebody's just tired of the, the traffic. I, like guess the, I, would have been, I, I guess I would have turned into Usain Bolt and started running <laughs> see how long I could make it. So did they – what happened to your car? Uh, I told transportation – they have transportation at events. I told them, hey, my car's parked a mile and a half back down the road on the on the, uh, on the on-ramp. If y'all want to go pick it up or just give me a ride. <laughs> so I ended up getting a ride back there later. Car was still there and picked it up. Oh, that's awesome. So Aaron Hills, uh, obviously, is uh, is kind of like you said, out in the middle of nowhere. I was reading an article about it in the Times. It was didn't even exist as a course. Like, it hadn't even been built until, like, the early 2000s. Um, and uh, it, it looks a little bit like a Lynx course-ish. Uh, what kind of score do you think wins on this one? You were pretty close when we talked to you before the Masters about what kind of shape the course was in. If I told you right now what's the score that wins this tournament, what do you think it is? I'm going to say around five or six under par um, right now. You know, because the forecast is for it to be wet. When the golf course is wet, even though it's going to be a long, it'll be a very, very long and tough golf course in that aspect. Fairways are really wide for a U.S. Open, so when they're wide um, and the and the, the fairways are wet, it plays even wider. So um, the rough won't be as much of an issue. So 
and the greens here are absolutely probably the best greens I've seen for U.S. Open as far as speed-wise and condition-wise. So the guys are making a lot of putts. I just don't see it playing. Now, this could change if we get a 15-mile-an-hour wind. Golf course will play completely differently, but I don't, it's not in the forecast right now. It's the, the highest wind total is 7 or 8 miles an hour for a day. So I, mean, I can see 5 or 6 under par winning this golf tournament. We're talking to Brant Snedeker. He's on his way to the U.S. Open. How many times will you have played these holes before the tournament actually starts on Thursday? So you got your navigation 36. on. 36 holes. So yeah. if, if for people who are going to be watching at home, what holes would you say, man, this is where the tournament could turn, this is a fascinating hole? Like, which one should we be paying attention to? Obviously, uh, all of them could be. first three holes on the back nine are going to be pivotal. So 10, 11, 12, um, three really, really difficult holes um, when we made the turn. Tournament's probably one or lost there through the course of the week, just because there's three really tough driving, or 10's not so much, but 11 and 12 are really tough driving holes. Lots of numbers can be made on those holes. Um, so I think those three holes will be the ones that kind of, you know, nine's a little short par three, so that little stretch, nine, 10, 11, 12, uh, it's a little short par three, 145 yards, but you can make a seven on it in the blink of an eye. So uh, it'll be those four holes kind of dictate. You'll see guys get off to good starts, kind of hit those four holes, maybe give a few back and then try to finish the flurry in the last couple of holes. What do you think I'd shoot on the U.S. Open? You've seen my swing. What kind of number would you assess that I would likely <sighs> shoot? We're talking to Brant Snedeker. What's your, what do you shoot at West Haven? Yeah, so I shoot – West Haven's my local course. I mean, I'm happy if I get in the 90s. I mean, and, and that might be a little uh, bit lenient. You shoot 120 120 plus. Wouldn't you think it would be interesting – like, I've pitched this to Fox before, to have a regular loser dude like me try to play the U.S. Open as a preview. Because the average golfer, like, I think golf is the thing that people do the most that they suck at, right? But when you watch good golfers like you play on the U.S. Open, you don't really have an appreciation. Like, I've, ar- I've argued for a while, you know, it would be great to have an average speed guy participate in the Olympics so you could see how badly like Usain Bolt would beat him, right? Like it's great to see people who are incredible at what they do, but you don't really get a contextual analysis of how good they are unless you see an average crappy dude like me. Like I think watching me play the course would be incredible theater. They they did it a couple years ago. They had Matt Lauer, Justin Timberlake. But those guys are actually uh, decent golfers, right? Yeah, they were decent. They shot in the mid-90s, I think, at, at uh, Torrey Pond. You know, they took it easy on them. They let them play up a little bit. They didn't make them play all the way back. And they gave them easy pins and that kind of stuff. But um, I think it'd be – I still don't know if people have that much time to sit around and watch you play golf for <laughs> seven hours. You know, <laughs> I think at the end of the day, it would take you forever to play. So, what did you uh, – speaking of uh, making bad plays, did, I, I went to the Preds game game six. Uh, I imagine that you saw my outfit. I just got destroyed for my outfit. I had like a yeah, Friday night light. I actually talked about it with my cat. My caddy's a regular reader of OutKick. <laughs> we started talking about it, and we were both so howling what, hysterically at it. Yeah, so what was your perspective, you and the caddy, on uh, on on my outfit? Was it deserving of the derision that it got online? Pretty much, yes. Yeah, I think that everybody's pretty much spot on point. I mean, this is a Predators game six. I was expecting at least – I mean, I actually would have given you an okay with wearing a jersey to the game because it's such a no, big game that we're going to find to wear it. But, you, I, I mean, that's a Friday a Night Lights question. polo. Would, would you have gotten less grief from wearing a jersey than you would from what you wore? Oh, I, I, I can't imagine that I would have gotten more grief. My shoes, my <laughs> pants, my shirt. I mean, literally every single aspect of my attire. I should have known it was a bad side, Brant. I don't know how many times you've gotten your picture. Maybe because you're a golfer, like, you get your picture taken by yourself. As my wife was taking that picture before we went in the game, I was thinking to myself, 
I don't remember the last time other than like a school yearbook photo that I've had a picture taken of myself, right? Like just me, not with my family, not with my kids, not with friends, just me standing by myself. I was like, this is maybe a bad decision by me to get my picture taken by myself. Now, girls, it'll happen to like your wife's good looking. My wife's good looking. Like, okay, I'll get a picture of you. You know, like I understand like, but I I was thinking to myself, nobody ever takes a picture of me by myself. I should have been more leery of that. If you're a dude, you're a dad in particular, you should never have a picture taken by yourself. It's a very awkward feeling. I get it all the time on the golf course where people want to take just my picture, and I always invite them to get in the picture. So I'm like, it's a very awkward feeling to stand, especially when it's not your own. When you're not, it's not your own picture. Yeah, I have to like, like just take a picture of just you, and I'm like, this is so awkward. <laughs> this feels so wrong in so many different ways. Yeah, you don't know what to do. And also, why does somebody want a picture of just you? Like, I understand that people I, want a picture I with understand. you. I get it all the time. I don't get it. Like, I'm I'm more than happy to take pictures of anybody, and and they want one of just me. It kind of creeps me out a little bit. I don't really know what to do with my hands or anything in the picture. I'm like, this is, so, this is so awkward. This just feels so weird. Uh, outstanding stuff. So I've got money on you, not to put any pressure on you. I put money on you every tournament. And by the way, know, every time I've I, lost. I, I owe you thousands of dollars right now. <laughs> thousands of dollars. But you know what? At some point, I'm going to win big, and then it's all going to be good. So exactly. I've, got, I've got money on you. No pressure, but I've got money on you. Um, so uh, when you win the U.S. Open, we'll have you back on to, uh, to break down that, uh, that performance on uh, Monday. Deal? Deal. Just make everybody, I, I made it okay. Navigation did work. We're good. All right, you made it to the course. You didn't have to sprint there. Tell your caddy yeah. that I hate him for not standing up for my outfit. I looked incredible. <laughs> All right, yeah, sure you did. Keep telling yeah. yourself that. That is uh, Brent Snedeker. <laughs> he has arrived. The navigation has gotten him to the golf course. U.S. Open starts tomorrow on FS1. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Uh, breaking news here, and this is not good breaking news by any stretch of the imagination, but it will be a very big story. Um, I uh, just want to hit it for you guys, and there's actually a sports connection, and it's, uh, it's a strange one. Uh, the and, and Jason Martin may know a little bit more detail about this, but I'm just pulling up the news as it's breaking on Twitter. In the state of Virginia, obviously lots of you listening in the state of Virginia, the Republican baseball practice, they have, you know, like uh, basically, I'm, I'm assuming this is maybe softball. They have a, uh, a softball league that Congress plays in. There was a shooter who showed up there and fired up to 50 shots the House Majority Whip Steve Scalise and many uh, and his aides, several people were shot at a baseball practice in Virginia. Again, this is Northern Virginia early on Wednesday morning. Uh, this news just popping on Twitter, just breaking the fact that this has happened. And uh, and Jason Martin, you've got a little bit more info on this. Yeah, I mean this is a crazy story. Scalise was hit in the hip. Uh, five or more other staffers were hit. Over 50 shots were fired with a rifle. Um, Mo Brooks, a senator from Alabama, ended up having to use his own belt as a tourniquet to stop Scalise's bleeding wound. Now, there are conflicting reports. Fox News has just reported that Scalise's security detail shot and killed uh, the gunman. But there are also reports from other sources saying the suspect is in custody. So we don't know on the, on that in terms of that, but the, the situation is over. But a crazy, crazy scene this morning in Alexandria uh, with what's going on with Scalise getting hit. And Mo Brooks said he was not actually hit, but over five people, staffers, getting shot in the middle of this baseball practice. That's um, 
that's certainly not ideal news to wake up to on a Wednesday morning for a lot of folks that are getting up right around now and joining us. Yeah, all over the country, people waking up again. This is uh, I, I went to school in Washington D.C. So, and I worked on the Hill for a little bit. So, there are a lot of people may not realize this, but there are a lot of like intramural sports leagues that involve the different congressional offices, Senate offices, uh, and a lot of the people who work on the Hill. Obviously, young twenty somethings. In fact, I'm sure a ton of them are listening right now as they're driving in on Sirius XM channel 83 or streaming on foxsportsradio.com. I know we have a big audience with OutKick there on the Hill. So this news out of Alexandria, if you're not familiar with the geography, Alexandria, city right across the Potomac River there, uh, where many people who make their living in Washington, D.C. live. Lots of uh, lots of fields there, obviously. And so far as we understand, this is a, uh, a practice for part of those intramural leagues that was going on. Uh, you know, sort of a, a fun, laid-back thing for people who have a lot of stress in their lives and dealing with politics on a day-to-day basis. And there was a shooter who showed up there and uh, and shot multiple people. We don't know very many of those details. Again, just breaking this news story as uh, as we uh, as we roll into hour three here on Outkick the coverage. Obviously, that's a major story in general. It will take over the news cycle. But there's also, interestingly for purposes of Sports Talk Radio, a major kind of sports connection there because these guys are, like a lot of you, despite whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, a big sports fan. And uh, this is something that is very popular to do, beer softball leagues kind of, for congressional staffers. And uh, and it was a big deal. If you worked on the Hill or you spent any time there, being a member of these teams was something that a lot of people talked about. And it doesn't surprise me that they would have an early morning practice for uh, for these teams to uh, try to be better. Um, and uh, and there's a lot of bragging rights always on the hill over whose softball team had won, uh, sometimes flag football, like a lot of different college-esque activities because so many of the people who work in these offices are young 20-somethings just out of college. Politics in general tends to attract a lot of young idealistic individuals on both the Republican and the Democratic side, so we'll keep you updated on that story as it continues to develop. But again, a shooting at a congressional baseball or softball. It says baseball, but I would have more, I remember more softball discussion, but uh, practice, and uh, we'll let you know exactly what happened there, but that news just breaking as you are waking up across the country in much less, infinitely less, far less significant uh, news. We have been on this show discussing the end of the NBA season. And by the way, I'm just going to throw this out there. Anytime there's a breaking news story like this, there we're on in all 50 states. We're on virtually in every different market all over the country. If you are there or you have witnessed something that happened with a breaking news story that we talk about, I always want to encourage you to call in and share with your fellow OutKick listening audience what happened. So I'm just tossing this out there. In the event that one of our listeners was there in the region of Alexandria, has information about what have ha- what happened, might even have been playing in that game. You never know and witnessed it as an eyewitness. I always want to let you know you're welcome to call. Program the phone number into your phone, 877-996-6369. We are a sports show, but we also hang out together every morning for three hours as you start your day, and we're going to cover the big stories as they as they may happen live on this show. So you always have an open line to us, 877-996-6369. 
if something happens, and it obviously is a major story in the morning, sports or otherwise, we always welcome your call to kind of reach out to the OutKick audience, speak across the nation to the 50 states, and tell us what you saw or what you witnessed. So I always want to reiterate that, 877-996-6369. But circling back around, so far in the show, we have, uh, we've covered a lot of ground. I'd always encourage you to go back and check out the podcast. We, uh, we started off the show talking about the NBA, how do we make the NBA great again. I'll circle back around to that momentarily. In hour two, we had uh, Brant Snedeker, uh, big-time golfer uh, for, uh, for the U.S. Open, calling in as he drove to the golf course there in Wisconsin to break down that, also to make fun of me for the outfit that I wore to uh, the NHL uh, last game of the season there, the Stanley Cup playoff between the, uh, the Penguins and the Predators. We then had Jeff Schwartz, who joins us every single Wednesday. We were talking as he had to go about the Colin Kaepernick situation, how strange it was what Pete Carroll had to talk about uh, in terms of saying, oh, we can't sign Colin Kaepernick because he's too good to be a backup. Uh, that was a, a strange story in general. But primarily so far today, we have been talking about the NBA. And in particular, we have been talking about uh, the, uh, by the way, a little bit more information, Jason Martin, you have a little bit more information about that shooting. I see you, uh, you, you putting some information up here on the screen. Yeah, I'm trying to get as much as I can right now. Uh, one of the listeners actually reached out to me just now and said there's a congressional softball game scheduled at Nationals Park tomorrow night. You'd have to imagine this probably affects the chances that that gets played. Uh, Mo Brooks was on CNN just a little while ago, just a couple of minutes ago, actually. He said he heard Steve Scalise scream, behind third base, I see a rifle right before the shots rung out. He says he estimates somewhere between 50 and 100 shots Jesus. from this rifleman. Uh, before security detail was able to take him down. So a, a frightening, frightening scene in Alexandria this morning, to be certain. Uh, and again, maybe this is connected to the congressional softball game that is scheduled at Nationals Park tomorrow night. May have just been some... I mean, honestly, like I, a lot of times we focus on you know the political differences that people have. And I've always said this. You know, it's not just because I went to school in D.C. It's not just because I've worked in politics before I did this. There are very few times that I've met a Republican or a or Democrat who is representing the country that I haven't liked, right, regardless of what your political views are. And these guys are very uh, competitive, and I wouldn't be surprised at all. That That's interesting information from a caller about the congressional softball game scheduled tomorrow at the Nats Park there, that they don't want to go out and embarrass themselves, right? I mean, you're busy, just like a lot of you, right? Uh, just like a lot of you are running around busy all day, um, but you're, if you're going to be playing in front of suddenly an audience, you don't want to be the guy who shows up at the softball game and strikes out in slow-pitch softball or is unable to catch a fly ball. You might not have put a glove on for a long time, but, uh, but a lot of times this is something that, uh, that, that guys do you know, privately. I've heard a lot of politicians talk about how nervous they are when they have to come out and throw out the first pitch. You know, like, uh, and I've thrown out the first pitch at a couple of different minor league baseball games, and it is a little bit intimidating. And so a lot of guys, they don't want to have their, their moment. If you remember the Cincinnati mayor uh, had one of the worst first pitches of all time. They don't want to have their 50-cent moment. They want to look like George W. Bush did when he threw out the first pitch after 9-11. They want to have like look like you have some clue what's going on in sports. And so they'll get off to the side and actually try and practice their first pitch so that they don't end up an internet meme or end up getting ridiculed on social media. And I would guarantee you that there might very well be a connection here for this practice, and uh, it is a uh, it is a uh, a mess. Um, it is a mess to have that happen. Obviously, um, surrounding everything that is just so 
I would say just there's so much high temper right now. You know, and even in sports, it filters in. This is what we were talking about at the end of the show yesterday. People can't just escape anymore. You can't hope that sports is going to be an escape from politics. You see these poor guys, they're out in Alexandria doing the congressional softball practice, and some lunatic shows up and fires 50 or 100 shots at them. We don't know any of the motivation, but everybody's just so angry all the time now. And we were just talking to Jeff Schwartz the last segment, and it's a little bit, I mean, regardless of how you vote or which side of the political aisle you're on, it's a little bit crazy, right, that we can't have nice things, it seems like now. Like the Warriors are one of the greatest teams of all time. And yesterday I come on the show and we're talking about, like, how good of a team are the Warriors? What do we think about next year? Is this the greatest NBA team of all time? And almost immediately news comes on social media, oh, they're not going to go to the White House because they don't like Donald Trump. And Jeff Schwartz was just talking about with us this last hour. It's like, really? We can't sit around and enjoy the NBA game that we just saw last night. We can't appreciate and enjoy Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green and Kevin Durant and that team that they just put together and the struggle against them that LeBron James put up, even for like – 12 hours before immediately politics sweeps in and they're like, oh, they're not going to go to the White House to because to, they don't like Donald Trump. I'm like, really? This is, you know, people talk to me all the time about politics and, and sports. And look, I worked in politics. I get it. And you can't make sports not connect to the real world. But what the analogy I've always used is for many people, and I think it's a lot of you listening right now in all 50 states across the country as you start your day, you put on this radio show you kick back when you get home from work, and you put on sports to escape the serious things in your life, right? I mean, that's that's what sports is. Sports is, you heard this description a long time when you write about sports. Somebody coined it, uh, and I can't even remember who it was, but they said sports is the toy chest of life. It's where you go to spend time that isn't that serious, right? And so I think in a large sense, the way that people respond to Colin Kaepernick, the way they respond to a story like the Warriors are not going to go – to the White House, is they just kind of sigh, right? Internally, you're just like, really? Like, I can't just hang out and avoid the political process, even in sports now? Like, this is my refuge from serious things in life. And the analogy that I like to draw is, my, I have three kids, right? Nine-year-old, six-year-old, and a two-year-old. Getting your kids to eat healthy food is like pulling out your own damn teeth, right? Like, every single day. And so in order to get a treat, what do we do? We say, if you finish this food, this may not be great parenting, but certainly it's something that I think just about every parent does. We say, if you finish this food, you get a treat. You get ice cream. You know, you get uh, a, 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 I don't know, like a, a smoothie, like something that they want at the end of the meal. And I've thought for a long time that what's happening in sports now is sports is, in addition to being the toy chest of life, the dessert of life. You have to do a lot of things to get to sports. Okay, I got to take care of my family. I got to make sure that mom is uh, that, that mom's doing well. I got to make sure that grandma's okay. I got to make sure that my aunt's okay. Like all these different things. Got to make sure that I did the work at, at home for the job. Got to make sure that I'm producing. Got to make sure the kids are doing their homework. All these things. And then everybody just gets to sit back at the end of the day and they get to watch a game. And that's the kind of like the sigh of the day. It's the dessert of life. It's the toy chest of life. Imagine what happens if you have kids, if at the end of that meal, 
when you've said, okay, you get dessert, and they're like, okay, what's dessert today? Is it birthday cake ice cream? Is it going to be that uh, that Oreo yogurt? If I said, okay, dessert is broccoli, then your kids revolt. And I think we're seeing that a little bit in sports. I really do. In terms of people not watching them as much, in terms of people just tuning out, because politics has become so embedded in sports now that it's like you can't even enjoy the Golden State Warriors and talk, even on this show, for a full show before it's like, oh, well, they're not going to go see Donald Trump, and then it's immediately politicized. And this obviously is much more serious, and if you're wondering why we got here, it's because there's been a shooting in Alexandria, Virginia, at a congressional softball practice, 50 to 100 shots fired at congressional members and their staffers. We're going to update you with exactly what happened there as best we can tell. Prayers to all involved, obviously. This is Outkick, the coverage. We'll tell you what happened in Alexandria to the best of our knowledge on this breaking news story here on Fox Sports Radio. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. 